Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. This is Katherine Miller. Welcome to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group, a law firm dedicated to collaborative law and mediation solutions for families on the law, divorce, prenuptials, and other family law issue. And I'm on a mission to help people learn how to divorce with dignity, respect, and compassion. And that means educating people about divorce issues. And I'm here today with Ruth Beltran, Ruth is a career counselor who helps adults of all ages with any issues related to work, including figuring out your place in it and effectively navigating it. In her work with clients, Ruth brings extensive training and a breadth of experience. By way of training, she has an MBA and a master's in counseling psychology and is is a licensed mental health counselor. She also has a post-grad in organizational development. Ruth is also a professional who is a parent of three children. She has worked as an executive in big corporations, as a staff consultant in consulting firms, and a professional in private practice. Her clients are individuals, maybe like you, but she also has a practice serving corporate clients and their talent management needs. Welcome, Ruth. Hi, thank you. It's great to have you here today. I thought today on our program, we'd talk about issues relating to going back to work. You know, lots of times people who are divorcing need to return to the workforce in a time frame that they weren't planning or something they weren't planning at all. And sometimes that can really be very overwhelming and scary for Mm -hmm. people. And I thought we could bring you in today to talk about ways in which people could look at that. And we could invite people to call in to 914-636-0110 and talk with us about issues relating to going back to work and divorce in particular. Great. The first thing I want to say is I have a passion in my work as well as you described yours, and mine is for people to really understand the value of work, that work is certainly it's an economic act because it's how we take care of ourselves economically in our particular system. It's also, though, and and actually predating that, it's really a way for us to express who we are, our identity, to connect to our larger community, to make contribution. And these are fundamental human needs that all of us experience. And work is a really important pathway for delivering on those needs. And so when when you're in the position of looking to add work in that way back to your life when it hasn't been there, I think it's really important to start with an appreciation of what it's going to add and how it is an avenue for self-expression in addition to the economic features that may be giving rise to your looking at it. I think that's really interesting because I think that certainly being home, raising children, managing household, those are work issues. There's no question. They they do define us Mm -hmm. in terms of how we look at ourselves as parents Mm -hmm. or home organizers, home managers, and they certainly require skills. That's for sure. And I think that sometimes we think about work as being something that brings money in. Mm -hmm. And, And what you're talking about is work is also a way not just to bring in money, but also to define who we are and to explore our interests as, right. as human beings, maybe outside the home, maybe be inside the home, but in different ways. And right. that one of the things that when you think about helping people 
explore new avenues for working is to look inside themselves as to things that they are interested in finding in themselves and exploring more with themselves and then some ways to make money doing that. Exactly. You because it's a it's really self-expression and it's uh it's a way of using yourself and who you are in the world to make contribution and to make a living. Starting with the self is fundamental, is that we tend to forget that or minimize it or devalue it. And we think that looking outside ourselves first to see, well, where can I make money or where does it look like money is better attained? But all our research, I mean, there's decades and decades of research that tell us that the starting point really is the self. And the self means there are certain aspects of the self that are most relevant. So what you're interested in, what you love to think about, know about, talk about is fundamental. If you're not interested inherently in something, it's very hard to sustain commitment and the required ongoing skill development. And at some point it starts to feel like, why am I doing this? So being interested in it, in some content, and then understanding, well, how do I need to be playing with that content? And that's where we look at skills and observing yourself in terms of the kinds of skills you most love using, you most enjoy leveraging, you might want to develop more. So you don't start with, well, I'm not that good at that, so I can't deploy it. You look at how much pleasure you get from engaging in activities that call on those skills, and then look at how else you want to develop those. So you want to marry those to the interests so that you have an understanding of what you want to be playing in, in what way, and certainly values. And values are critical because they help shape a recognition of, well, how do I need to be doing this? Under what conditions? How many hours a week? How does that work with what else is important to me? How much autonomy do I need to have? How much you know, collaboration with others do I need to be involved in? These are things that are related to what our values are, our motivators, what makes something worth it to us. In the inevitable uh, having to make trade-offs, how do I determine? So so let me just stop you right there. I just want to remind, if you're just tuning in, this is Catherine Miller. This is the show Dialogue on Divorce. And we're talking today with Ruth Beltran about going back to work. And, And the reason I wanted to stop you there, Ruth, is because if someone just tuned in and heard you talking about values and passions, you know, they wouldn't necessarily be linking that up with going back to work. And I think mm-hmm. that's what I really love about your approach is to really find your passion and, and monetize it. And that it's not about having to go back to work. It's really about getting to, mm-hmm. right? Getting to find a way to see what you really like to do, what you really enjoy doing. And chances are you're probably pretty good at that already. Maybe you need some skills in order Mm -hmm. to sort of Mm -hmm. find a way to monetize Mm -hmm. it, but that oftentimes we like doing what we're good at or the opposite way. And so we really are talking about finding ways to seek employment that is monetarily remunerative, but also it speaks to these pieces of our souls that are things we're really interested in. Right. And we spend so many hours of our life at work. So the idea that you would commit yourself, set much of your life, and it also really shapes, you know, kind of who your world is, who are your coworkers, what kind of people do you want to be around, and how it fits in with other aspects of your identity. So it's really critical. So the idea that you would set yourself up to spend most of the hours of your week or many of the hours of your week in something that doesn't have significance to you beyond a paycheck, actually, it's not sustainable. 
that there comes a point where you really do feel you're just on the, you know, the hamster wheel and why am I doing this? And yeah. And I think a lot of people who are in divorce and looking to go back to work feel like it's not worth it. They feel often mm-hmm. like, well, I've been out of the workforce for so many years, or I've been underemployed for so many years. I could only work making minimum wage. I could only work, you know, doing this or doing that. And somehow the things that they love to do, right, and the things that they think make money are not together. And so it feels like a loss to them. And certainly it may not be planned for, and it may not be what the way they envisioned their life going forward. And yet it can still really, in fact, I think what you're saying is it has to be. It has to be something that really they will be able to find joy and pleasure and or, in your word, is unsustainable. That's right. It just, you sort of drown in the pain of what you have given up or you feel you've given up and not gotten a, you know, a payoff for adding it to your life, which is not how it needs to be. The other thing is to, when you're, if you've been out of the workplace for some amount of time, is that we get fuzzier and fuzzier about recognizing what we're actually really good at. And we don't, it gets harder and harder to recognize the ways in which we possess and express talents and abilities in the course of day to day. So one of the things, one of the ways that we begin to recognize, well, what are the things I'm good at is by looking at experiences in which you were an actor, not something nice that happened to you, but you were an actor and that you enjoyed doing, that you felt gratified, you were happy that you did it. It could be a small thing. It could be... Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a chance to give some examples about that in a minute, but I'd like to remind people, this is Catherine Miller. I'm the host of this show, Dialogue on Divorce. We're here every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30 on WVOX.com and WVOX1460 on the AM dial. We're here having conversations about divorce. We invite you to call in if you have a question about going back to work in the process of divorce or really in any way, 914-636-0110. I'm talking with Ruth Beltran. She's a expert on vocational counseling. And what are, the way I always think of your work is finding, monetizing your passion in a way that is sustainable going forward. And so, Ruth, for someone who was, say, a stay-at-home parent or, well, basically that, mm-hmm. and who's looking at going back to work because they're their children are grown up or because they're divorcing and they feel that they need the extra financial security mm-hmm. of that. What are the kinds of things someone like that might be finding in their day-to-day yeah. life that were a success? Well, you, you can look at things if you were a class parent and the ways in which you might have brought order and organization to an undertaking on behalf of a class and you had to Either you were showing creativity and innovation and coming up with, let's not do the usual, let's do this, which may be a program that hadn't been done before. Or it may be that it is one that's been done before, but that you bring a particular kind of order and schedule to it that makes it run more effectively than it had before. I know when when my kids were in elementary school, our school used to do this huge, uh, I'm going to call it a talent show every year, and it was all parent volunteers who put together a mix of incredible abilities to, you know, choreograph numbers, to help kids develop their, because the children would come up with their own routine about what they wanted to do. And they often needed some, you know, producer help in how to make it work. They learned and in some cases introduced new technology to the auditorium to be used. And, you know, these were parents who 
the parents who carried the biggest weight in it were parents who did not also have work lives outside of the home, and so they were more available. But they were incredibly creative, collaborative, uh, and very organized. These are all skills that you're kinds of skills that you're probably tapping and leveraging and you take them for granted. You don't recognize that they are distinct skills that you have to sell. And you also want to look at what's the kind of outcome, what's the nature of contribution and effect. This is also related to the values that you most enjoy you know, participating in. So looking over your life for the collection of things that reflect that, that reflect, yeah, you know, when I did that, I really felt good. I really enjoyed it. I felt, and don't be perfectionistic. You don't want to say, well, we got, you know, some level of money for it, or we got a certain kind of accolade for it. And that's what drives your seeing something as having been worth it. The starting place has to be your experience of engagement in it. And then uh, that is a wonderful pool of experiences to really sort of systematically study to say, well, so what was I doing in there? What were the kinds of skills I was using? And sometimes you really need somebody else to help you recognize because people tend to be blind to what well, I was just thinking that, are. that, you know, working with someone like yourself to uh-huh. be able to talk through all of that stuff, because I myself find that when I'm thinking about something that I'm very close to, having an out loud conversation, even if it's just with me, yes. helps a lot. But having an out loud conversation with someone who really knows how to tease out and identify and circle those skills that the person is talking about, where they might not realize it until you, you say, hey, well, wasn't that a really an organizational thing or a communications thing or a you know, a YouTube, you know, thing right. or whatever. And then and they right. can say, yeah, you know, that is something that I learned how to do, you know, and be able to start to not only notice those things, but feel good about them. That's because right. I think that when someone's been out of the workforce for a long time, self-esteem issues about, you know, having lost track with the people that they used to work with or the, that the world, you know, the professional world has gone on without them and that they just yeah. don't have the skills to go back to where they were before. Yeah. And that can be an and, issue too. And, and I wouldn't say that that's necessarily a bad thing. If where you are now is a different place than you were 15 years ago or 10 years ago, how you determine and assess what you actually want to be leveraging going forward may be different than how you were thinking about yourself earlier. So it's a taking stock that's a good thing to do no matter what periodically about, okay, so what actually gives meaning to me now? What are the kinds of things that I may have undervalued earlier? in my life or that I didn't recognize I possessed earlier in my life mm-hmm. and that I now want to, you know, make hay with. That's good. So this is Catherine Miller, host of Dialogue on Divorce. We're here every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30 on WVOX, 1460 AM and on com. And we're talking with vocational counselor. Is that the right word for you? Career. Career. Career counselor. Career really. couch, coach, <laughs> you know, Ruth Beltran, who is an expert in helping people redefine their work lives and find ways to do more enjoyable occupations and make money doing it. One thing I do want to ask you about, Ruth, is sometimes people really worry, particularly moms going back to work, about who's going to handle all that stuff. You know, so we're talking about, well, you could look at all the things you were doing as a parent, you know, with your kids or organizing the home or managing the day-to-day lives of all these different people and say, hey, these are skills that I've got. Well, now how about who's going to do that stuff? You know, if I'm working and I'm working full time, what about managing my kids? What about managing the household? Mm -hmm. Do you have any words of wisdom for people with those concerns? Those are things that clearly have to be attended to. And what can be helpful is if you 
have people in your life, women, who have continued to work as parents, because those are all things that they juggle as well. And so you can get some very good wisdom from people who have evolved structures as they moved along and were continuing in work life that can be very uh, helpful. Because the other reality is that women are vulnerable to expecting of themselves that whatever they do, they do as if they're not doing anything else. It's a kind of perfectionism. And so you cannot manage all those aspects of family life as if that was all you were doing anymore. That's real. So you do have to look at making trade-offs. It doesn't mean your family's going down the tubes. It means that you have to evolve and you figure out other ways to take care of things. And some things in the scheme of things you have to determine are, okay, I got to get let that, let that one go. So whatever. So, so less perfectionism. Less perfectionistic. And when you ask that question, you being a, a mom who may be facing that, is you don't want to ask it with the underlying message that how can that happen as if it can't happen you have to ask hmm so how do people do that how do they you know juggle those things and definitely talk to people who do it cuz it's clearly possible with trade-offs without a doubt but you know you make trade-offs as a parent who's home more full-time also but we may be less conscious of those trade-offs you know we sort of put them aside in order to do what we're doing on behalf of the family. You know, I think that's really, you know, I have five kids and obviously I have a job too mm -hmm. and, and a job that I love. And I have to say, sometimes I walk into other people's homes and I'm like, wow, they put so much care into the window treatment right. or, you know, something like that. It's not like my house is a pigsty and it's not like we don't have furniture, right. but it's not, right. you know, my attention, frankly, it's not my skill either, but my attention is not really on really the details of right. those kinds of things because I've chosen to put my attention onto making sure my kids are okay, making sure they're yes. well-educated, making sure they're good yes. human beings and taking care of my... That's my, a really good example. I always say there's an invisible sign when you come to my house that says, Martha Stewart does not live here. <laughs> <laughs> not that you would mistake her for living there if you saw it. But, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's the trade-offs. You just, you just have to tolerate. And your kids come along because you really, you also have to prepare your kids for this change that's coming. And my, all my kids have learned to cook. They cook, they make a mess. I have to just, you know, sort of tolerate that and uh, try for a Zen moment. And exactly. <laughs> so they all learn how to cook and they and they are much more skilled than their peers. They're now my youngest are their twins who are 16, but they've been cooking for years and they also do their laundry. Now, they make a mess in the laundry room, but one my daughter actually has determined she doesn't really need to do the laundry as much as she was having me do it. <laughs> she can live with Doing yeah, that, those are life frequently. They're right. life skills that they're learning maybe earlier on, and you're getting right. a chance to teach them before they just end up calling you from their college dorm saying, right. you know, do I mix exactly. the whites together with the colors or exactly. what? So you really, it's an opportunity to really enhance their competence and express your confidence in their ability to come up. And kids love to feel like they're contributing and helping. I think that's actually a really good point, that you contribute to their confidence by letting them do something you previously did for them. Right. And that, that's a positive. It's that's not right. necessarily a negative. Right. And we should maybe think, feel good about ourselves as parents when we give our children the chance to participate in the household. Yes. And we're also modeling to our kids how we want them to understand adult life looks. And the chances are that your kids are not Go, I mean, mo something like 75% of women with kids 18 and under are in the workforce. 
So it's highly likely that your daughters are going to be in the workforce and modeling to them how they, in a gratifying way, have all these aspects of their life expressed. It's, it's one thing to say the words to your daughter, oh, you can have a work life and a family life, but it's another to actually demonstrate it and have them begin to develop their abilities for self-management because of what you're modeling for them. Sure. I think that makes sense. So I just want to remind people, this is Catherine Miller. This is Dialogue on Divorce. I'm here with Ruth Beltran. We're talking about going back to work and divorce and other work-related issues. We have a few more minutes. If anyone has a question, they can call us, 914-636-0110, and we'd be happy to answer. Ruth, I want to give you a chance to tell people how to get in touch with you if they have any questions or are interested in in working with you to try to identify some of these things we've been talking about. Sure. So I have an office in Katona in Westchester, Northern Westchester, and it's on the main drag, Katona Avenue. My number there is 914-232-2830. And I also have a practice in Manhattan in walking distance from Grand Central Station. That's very convenient. And do you have a website? I don't have a website. I have an email that has, I'm on YouTube. I have a video on YouTube. So if people Uh, were to to search YouTube, Ruth Beltran, B-E-L-T-R-A-N, they would be able to see uh, yeah, some videos. Yeah, and I think you have to. There are actually, surprisingly, a couple of other Ruth Beltrans around. So you have to make sure that it's career counseling. Okay, so Ruth Beltran, career counseling. So I actually thought that when you came to my office and did a presentation for a few people that came, uh, we talked a little bit about what a job is, right? Mm-hmm. A job, mm-hmm. and and oftentimes people, you know, think of that as well. It's a complicated thought. But you gave a little bit of history about the word job and where it comes from. I thought that was really interesting. Would you mind sharing that with us? Sure. It's the word job actually came out of the Industrial Revolution. Prior to that, there really wasn't a concept of job in the way that we think about it today. The sort of packaging of uh, certain kinds of activities together that you do you know, in a sort of repeated fashion. And that really came out of the development of factories and people moving away from more agrarian kinds of life and work. When work first moved away from home and to these separate places like factories and were packaged into these things called jobs, started in England and people were out on the streets protesting with signs, we don't want jobs, take away jobs, because it was so ruinous to what the quality the of lifestyle. life had actually been that was much more tied to nature. So I try to not use the word job when I work with people that we're really looking to understand. Work, actually work really means expenditure of energy. So, but in a, a sort of a, we want to make it purposeful and directed. So really thinking about what the nature of work is one wants to do, under what conditions, how you want to talk about it, is really how we want to think about work as opposed to a job. No, I like that. It's about work, not about this job. Because sometimes people say, in, in my experience, as a, one client will say to the other, or somebody will, in the context of divorce, and say, you know what we should do? You should get a job. Mm-hmm. You should get a job. When someone says that you should get a job, it's probably not a loving conversation. Yeah. It's probably it's a demand. It's paralyzing to yeah. hear that. And it feels like, yeah, it doesn't feel like finding work that really appeals to me. And somehow that doesn't sound like, like somehow there's a, something about sacrifice with job, right? Mm-hmm. I need to get a job. I need to sacrifice my time. I need to sacrifice what it is I like to do right. in order to do something I don't like to do in order to make right. money. And that seems like 
that's kind of the connotation of that. Right. Well, the other thing too, the job, the word job can often stir up in people is that they have no, I'm going to say no control in it. It's that some external entity creates this definition of tasks that you have to convince them you can be relied on to deliver for them totally on their terms, in the way they want, in the time they want. And so I I don't know that it's conscious, but people react to that because that's part of why it feels like you're just giving up so much. Uh, if, If you can think about it as work and you're thinking that the way you're going to do it is that uh, you're almost as if you're an entrepreneur that I'm going to do, I would not do this for you. I want to have this kind of impact. I want to contribute these kinds of skills and that you have a deal with them about what you're going to call that and how you're going to get paid for it. It feels more empowering. No, that's great. Thank you so much, Ruth Beltran, for meeting with me today on Dialogue on Divorce. This is Catherine Miller. Next week, uh, next in two weeks, we're meeting, we're going to be interviewing Lori Davis on online dating, and I hope that you will join us then.